If you think you could never be vegan, you're in the right place. If you think there's something big you'd really like to do, but it's probably too late, you're in the right place. My name is Michelle Olander, and I think there has never been a more important time to move in a vegan direction. So I'm here every week to cheer you on and offer you actionable tips, ideas, and strategies as you veg your best. Episode 147, The Vegan Way is a Long Walk. Welcome back, my vid, your bestie. Welcome back. And if you're new here, if you're new here, welcome. And if you're one of my besties who has been here a while, who's been listening since the beginning days of Vid Your Best, and some of you have listened in chronological order, you know who you are. <laughs> wow. Wow. And thank you. And uh, if that's not you, I want to quickly, quickly say there is no right way to listen to this podcast. There's no right way to listen to Veg Your Best. There's no right way to go through the back catalog if if you're new here. I know some of you uh, some of you listen on uh, one and a half speed. Some of you listen on double speed. I'm not sure I'm not sure if triple speed is that helpful, but some of you, I know some of you look at the episode titles to see what speaks to you. And uh, I've been all over the place with my ideas about episode titles to try to entice you sometimes and then sometimes to be more kind of pedestrian in the titles. But anyway, some of you have told me that you listen when you're on a walk or doing your exercises at the gym, car trips while doing chores in the house. So many different ways. There's no one way, right? There's no correct way to listen to this podcast and uh, is there a wrong way? I don't know, maybe. I can't think of what a wrong way would be offhand. But this is kind of the uh, point for this week is, have you ever had experience with people who, um, and by experience I mean have maybe grown up with them, lived with them for 18 years or so, people who belong to the school of thought that there are only two ways of doing things? Just me? two ways. This was my home. There's their way and the wrong way. And both my parents, I would say to a greater or, uh, well, actually a greater or a greater degree felt that way. Yes, Michelle. Yes, Michelle, you arguably do have free will. But if you do not brush your teeth or make your bed or do your homework or learn your times table or write in cursive more or less exactly the way we do it, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. And, you know, for years, I fancied myself as being someone who was opposite, completely different. Um, however, <laughs> however, I, um, for example, I've seen, I've seen some my way or the wrong way pop up in, in my personality from time to time. And a good example is I no longer, I fight the urge, but I no longer volunteer travel recommendations to people when I find out they're going somewhere that I've had some experience at. Um, I know I fight that urge because honestly, if they don't do it right, <laughs> if they don't do it, if they don't use my tips and ideas, mm, it's a problem for me. 
For example, I hear you're going somewhere and I, in all my enthusiasm, give you a list of, uh, like, saved on my Evernote. I have uh, some of my itineraries. I have some of my addresses that I've kept. And uh, and in my enthusiasm, I give you this list of can't miss sites. And then, and then you come back and I find out you didn't visit... <laughs> You didn't visit these historic, life-changing monuments that are must-sees, places I burst into tears because of how, Im- how impressive they were or beautiful they were. So when I find that out, it tends to bug me. It does. It actually really bugs me. If people go to Rome and uh, don't want to see the forum or learn something about the history of the city, it bothers me and it makes me nuts if you go all the way to Dublin and don't make at least an effort to visit the Kilmainham Jail or the Trinity College Library. It upsets me. <laughs> it bugs me. If I send you the links and opening hours, maybe you didn't even ask for them, but I sent them to you. The opening hours of where you can see jaw-dropping mosaics in Sicily or Ravenna or the exact procedure of how to get on the list to uh, be invited to see the ancient excavations under the Vatican, which will honestly blow your mind, or the, which tours to take at the Foundling Museum in London or the Tenement Museum in New York or the Hadrian's Wall Museum in Northern England. Listen, I'm weird this way. My kids know, my friends know, and I am apparently exactly like my dad. So intellectually, I do know that there are reasons to travel that do not include daily museums and uh, tours of historic sites. I, I don't know what those reasons could be, but I do know that they exist. And it's not that I don't realize it's possible you might not want to uh, go to Mont Saint-Michel or, or Chartres when you're in France, but it does seem absurd to me. And when I'm in that headspace, when I'm thinking about a subject or an area that means a great deal to me, and I start thinking then, I go straight into what you should do. Wow. That is all about me. (laughs) That is all about me. And even though, even though it's coming from a very generous place, it's coming from um, a headspace of, I want you to have the best time ever. But still, sometimes when we are well-meaning and enthusiastic, sometimes when we are really passionate, sometimes when things really mean a lot to us, we can think that we are spreading our excitement and that we are offering this experience up, but actually we can end up doing a very poor job of selling others on what we love and value so much. We can actually end up not being super helpful to those people who uh, maybe are just beginning or maybe just starting their um, process of looking into something. And also, they may not even have actually asked our advice. So, slight tangent. One of my goals for many, many years has been to walk the Camino the Camino in uh, Santiago in Spain. History, check. Art, check. Mystery, check. For me, that's check, check, check. All my boxes. 
So the ancient pilgrimage route to Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain, you know, it's also, it's on my list, but it's not on my husband's list. And it probably would require a length of time that, I mean, I absolutely do not want to spend away from my husband. So it is not on my calendar for any time soon. But it still takes up a fair amount of space in my brain. And right now, as I am recording this, my very dear college friend, Betsy, has just arrived in Spain, maybe it was a day ago now, to start her walk along the Camino de Santiago. Now, very often, people hear the the word Camino, it sounds like it's one route, it's one journey, but actually, the Camino is a huge network of trails, all leading to one destination in northwest Spain. And every year, for many hundreds of years, Pilgrims by the thousands, peregrinos, sometimes they're called, from around the world, they travel these routes by foot, by car, by bicycle. And for some, it's a spiritual quest. For others, it's a physical challenge, uh, a desire to put themselves into a completely different way of uh, being for a while. For some of them, it's an immersion into history and culture. And there is a beautiful saying that you hear all the time when uh, referring to the pilgrims who are drawn to the Camino. You walk your own Camino. You walk your own Camino, meaning there's no one way to do it. Everyone comes to the Camino as they are. Everyone brings the individual that they are, their age, their health, their fitness or infirmities, Some have three months or more to spend. Some have chosen to walk just for a day or two a certain section of the route. Um, Some of them hope to accomplish the trek over a number of years. And in a series of walks, some are alone. Some are roughing it, camping or staying in hostels. Uh, Others are walking part of the day or cycling and then being ferried in, you know, uh, luxury vans to comfortable accommodations. Some are with groups, uh, religious groups, or fitness groups, or college groups. In any event, each pilgrim walks his own, her own Camino. And I think that this historic pilgrimage paths are part of many, many spiritual and cultural traditions. And I think we want to remember it is, could be a, an excellent metaphor for the journey towards a vegan practice. The Camino, the way, as it's called, it isn't a single path. Travelers are coming as they are from wherever they are along many paths. Just the way a journey to veganism, a journey to a plant-based lifestyle, well, we all begin somewhere different. And each person, each person finds their way towards a vegan or plant-based lifestyle through different routes. They come with different concerns. They come with different worries like the environment or ethics or animal rights or just a desire for some personal growth. Each individual with their different set of physical skills, their health or financial circumstances Everyone has his or her own variety of uh, 
pre-existing beliefs and values and comfort level. And yes, I know it's a bit of a cliche, the idea of a vegan journey, but like with most cliches, an expression becomes cliche because somehow it works. Somehow it, it encapsulates what we're trying to say. And every journey begins with some sort of a call, some sort of an awakening. And we've discussed that here on a previous episode about the hero's journey. And just like the peregrinos, the pilgrims may feel this inner calling to embark on the Camino, our individual vegan journeys often begin with some call, some sudden awareness, or some gradual dawning of the impact of our choices, our dietary choices on our bodies, our choices on the planet, our choices on the ethical treatment of animals. And both journeys, vegan, the Camino, any spiritual pilgrimage, they have some demands. You know, both journeys require a building a certain level of commitment, a certain level of uh, perseverance that is not found in the previous life, the previous choices, which were uh, fairly automatic, very dialed in, uh, choices that we made because they were simple and convenient. The Camino is not a light stroll, right? It's a physically demanding uh, trek of hundreds of miles, and that depends on where you actually begin and whether you decide to do it all at once. And just like your vegan journey, there will be choices to be made that are new. There will be misunderstandings. There will be misunderstandings due to a different language, different ideas, different... uh, different concerns that had not occurred to us before. There may be blisters, there may be fatigue and hunger and uh, mental and interpersonal trials. And a vegan journey also, it is not one and done. Your vegan journey is one choice at a time, over and over, step by step, And it can also be challenging, sometimes more demanding, sometimes less, as you rethink your eating habits, as you face social and cultural and time pressures that you have not had to face previously, and as you overcome cravings for foods that may have been part of your love language, your family, your tradition or culture. And there are days of solitude on both journeys. On the Camino, there are long stretches of solitude where one may be left with their own thoughts. And my my friend Betsy, who has gone to Spain on her own, has already reported a variety of confusing travel snafus as well as uh, a small fall and the need to rely on the kindness of strangers as she runs into them and a determination to be that kind stranger for others. Now, on our vegan journey, we may obviously find ourselves the only ones in our community, in our circle, in our family, making these changes or being concerned with these changes, just like the Camino. A vegan journey is a challenge we undertake from a very personal point. But it is 
also communal. And on the Camino, people come from all walks of life. They come together to form communities. Um, just as to succeed, most vegans look for some solidarity and the support of like-minded fellow travelers. We look for podcasts and documentaries and uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs who are accompanying us, even if we don't actually know them personally. The popularity of a few of our recent Veg Your Best podcast guests, um, vegan traveler professionals like Rebecca Gady Sawicki and Bridie Reed, uh, also Akiva Gersh, the vegan rabbi, their popularity testifies to the demand there is in creating fellowship and fun and discovery to support individuals on their vegan journeys. And in essence, both the journeys, I mean, the point is some kind of transformation. People walk the Camino. Most pilgrims are challenging themselves through every step towards some level of growth or self-discovery or connection. And I know for sure from talking every day to fellow vegans and those on this journey of veganism, it is also transformative. It also helps us move towards a new understanding of how we relate to our bodies, the environment, and to other sentient beings. Now, the Camino traditionally ends at the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela, but that is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of a new journey, a new view of the world and how your time can be spent and what you're capable of. And many, many pilgrims will report feeling that they've uncovered new perspectives that they had never known before. Adopting a vegan lifestyle also is absolutely not an end. It is truly just the beginning of a more conscious daily practice, the beginning of a more intentional way of living. There's no one way to do either journey. You walk your own Camino. And in our enthusiasm and excitement for others to move away from eating animals, we can sometimes forget the journey we took to get here, wherever we are. And we can sometimes overwhelm our friends who are new to this journey, and it can end up leaving both of us the ones who are trying to cheer the new ones on and those new vegans, it can leave us both kind of annoyed because the process is so individual. You walk your own Camino. There's no one way to be vegan step by step. Now, whether you're starting, restarting, or re-energizing your vegan journey, if you or someone you love wants support or help, please, Book a call. It can really be a lot of fun. Or email me. And uh, Betsy, if you're out there and you're listening, Buen Camino, you inspire me. And until next week, veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. 
before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.